Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're suffering, please call 911 or your local emergency services. Hi, friends. This is Help Me Be Me, and this is an episode I am calling Tapping Into Your Dreamer. And uh, it's about big you and little you. So this is a motivation-based episode for creative individuals, and by that, I mean everyone. So what is that thing you genuinely want, but some part of you is halfway trying to let it slip away? It's that weird thing we do when we decide to be half-conscious. And this is a a response to quite literally being uh, unconscious, but also it's fear, It's like this energy saving setting that we tend to fall into. And it's encouraged by just our level of fatigue, distraction, also just the amount we are constantly being pulled in different directions, like that we're we're mentally controlled by external stimuli, alerts, haptics, bright lights, content. It's like, no wonder we're kind of like, I don't want to do the thing. I don't want to exert the energy. So to really start to change our habits in favor of what we deeply want, we have to sometimes steer with our feet despite our brain, despite where our focus is. Like we have to know that there's a higher goal, a higher self, and acknowledge what that self wants and kind of sneak the progress toward it by our conscious selves, if that makes sense. And I would say this is especially important for my friends out there who are habituated towards safety. And I'm talking about people with trauma who have had to create a song, a strong sense of routine and that being like a, a source of stability and functioning. It's, it's like we can kind of get so conditioned by routine that it's really hard to make big leaps because we're so uh, kind of told by our, our fear that this is dangerous, that, th- that this is bad. So I As I said, this is kind of about what I'm calling the two you's. There's the big you and the little you. And by that, I mean the dreamer and the warrior. And this is really about how we can look at ourselves from outside of ourselves in order to make the right decisions and the right investments in our time. Because a lot of what guides us is just pure habit. Research says that more than half of our lives is controlled by habit, but I would say it's closer to three quarters of our lives. I mean, it's a, a huge amount of our life is just kind of scripted out for us by just the existing structures and routines. And like, oh, if we're doing this, then you, you automatically will do these other 10 things in a day. So I just want you to for a second picture that energy of when you are idly looking at something on your phone and some part of you realizes like, oh, this is completely vacuous. Like this is a complete waste of time. Why am I even doing this? But 
even when you recognize that you still have to struggle to like unglue your focus from the phone. That is what I'm talking about. That is what we are combating. It's like mental and eyeball glue. Like we are resisting a current of sameness and habit at all times in our life when we are trying to make progress in a completely uncharted and new direction. So this is really about becoming more aware of that. Just noticing I've been conditioned and habituated. Oh, interesting. And then knowing that how we can navigate so we can make some bigger, loftier, happier, grander moves in this life. So let's unglue and fly towards something amazing. And uh, in this episode, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. Aligning behind our bigger goals in an idealistic sense, but also in a practical sense. And those goals are much more in reach than we often realize. Like it just takes making a little bit of filing cleanup like organizational it takes these little like menial tasks for us to get like a foot closer to that thing than we thought was possible but we have to allow ourselves to prioritize the right things in a day-to-day way like that it becomes that simple it's that incremental progress happens just one menial task at a time you might be asking what are the right goals what are the big goals that I'm talking about based on research they are One, the things that mean something to us, yes, but also, two, the things that we feel we are good at, and also things that are, number three, manageable and do not break us down. There are also things that, number four, do not rob us of the balance between all the other important commitments in our life. I'm kind of paraphrasing Adam Grant's, I love Adam Grant's podcast, by the way. Um, If you are interested in more about this, I highly recommend his, uh, I'll put a link, put a link in the show notes to his podcast. It's a TED podcast. Anyway, there's much more about goals and what makes a good goal and uh, a sustainable one that will allow you to feel fulfilled in your life. But what I'm inviting to the forefront of your mind is that easygoing comfort and safety are not always in favor of our highest goals. Like habits are in many ways the authors of our lives in that we tend to fall into grooves which are completely automated. And when we are not actively curating a sense of like possibility and hope and vastness, we kind of fall into the old groups like we we grow limited in what we can see is is possible in life and in the world how does one curate that sense of vastness and possibility i just want you to think of a time when you went to let's say a function or maybe a movie some event where maybe somebody told a story about their own lives and you felt inspired by it or maybe you, you witnessed a creative work of art, some project, and you felt so invigorated by it. You in those moments are aware of your own fire, of your own capacity and energy as a person, as a creative person. And in that moment, you'll be like, oh man, I want to do something with this. And you can see it. You can feel it. You can follow it. It flows. That's what we're trying to tap into and remember and continue to remember on a a regular basis because that awareness just fades 
as you resume routine. So we have to actively curate it and remind ourselves with content, with similar experiences, with conversations, just how possible and powerful we are. And I think of these selves, the big you and the little you, as two parts with equally important roles. Both of these selves are you, but they see vastly different worlds. So this is an invitation to come back into that big you, the one who has the fire and the energy to do big things, the really exciting, life-changing, routine-changing things, like the things you've always wanted to do. And often to jump into that self, we have to, what I call, squeeze it out, like squeezing out the end of a tube of toothpaste. We really have to squeeze out with just like the tiniest bit of last effort. Like it, it'll feel like that often. Like we have to slug through that work and we will have, and that's because we have a ton of inner resistance to it. Why? Because it requires new thought out of the norm practices and also some risk just because it's new. Like we are changing, which feels hard. It just defaults to feeling like it's hard. In addition to squeezing out that toothpaste tube of our energy reservoir, we also, what I would describe as, we have to come into a sense of trust. Like we have to condition ourselves into a physical energy of trust. And this will be like the antidote to the compulsion toward, who am I kidding? What am I, crazy? Like that is the immediate thought that echoes as soon as we start to execute against a big goal. Like we immediately, our brain wants to chime in with like, oh, wait, I actually don't want this after all. Oh, no, you know what? I forgot. This will actually be very impractical and my schedule won't accommodate. No, but I don't like this part of the thing after all. I was wrong. That's like your brain making lists of reasons why it's it's not safe to do the thing because it's a control thing. It's like, but this thing would change, which means I cannot control it. Like we're trying to talk ourselves out of it, essentially. So when you get into that inevitable stage of resistance, the other thing we have to teach ourselves to do is immediately respond to that energy with tuning toward trust. So I just want, I want you to actually try that now. I want you to notice where in your physical body you might have vigilance or a sense of anticipation. Uh, like usually it's the, the bottom of the belly. I just want you to ask, see in your body right now, how can I come into a feeling of trust? How can I embody trust and faith? So that would just be like a release, relaxing your, your shoulders down, relaxing the stomach muscles, maybe the palate, like relaxing your tongue, just like let everything kind of relax in your body. And physically embody, like I usually put my hand over my heart and just mentally imagine like, how does it feel to feel safe? How does it feel to have faith? And that's what you continually do. You come into that physical energy of trust. And that's just a reminder to teach ourselves how we condition ourselves to move through new territory. It's the toothpaste tube plus resuming this feeling of let it go, let it go. It's not our job to control the outcome. It's only our job to move through the actions and then 
be very proud of ourselves. When we can do this, when we can change, actively change, deliberately grow and change, we increase our fabric. We increase our capacity through these moments. We actually grow our reservoir for output. How, how awesome is that? You know the things you want to invest time in. And that is just something you have to start reminding yourself of before you fall out of that awareness, which brings me to part two, the why. Well, if it's not something we have been conditioned to do, it also requires the most energy intensive form of thinking. So we have to, when we are trying to solve things that require like access to all of ourselves, it's like it takes really sustained focus and attention, which is very draining. It drains glucose, blood glucose, but it's also the most valuable and rewarding on a larger scale in in terms of our life experience. But novel, deep reflective thought around goals like solving, it requires use of the prefrontal cortex. And when we are stressed, when we're anxious, our brain reduces its function to just that survival brain. And our focus and capacity become limited. So we have less access to reflective, complex thinking. This is also true of depression. When we become depressed, we lack an ability to imagine. Our thinking just becomes oversimplified. So the prefrontal cortex is also tied to aligning behind our goals and our values and also healthy relationships. However, the things we do via routine, the things you've done over and over again, are the frontal lobe. And we do a lot of this just by default. It's a default set of memories. And so therefore it feels more attractive because it requires less energy. So it can, on an energetic level, you might wanna do those things more because even though it's a menial task that doesn't mean a lot to you or it's not like a passion-based task, it's just easy and it's conditioned. So it can feel like, I'd rather do that thing. I'd rather go do the grocery shopping. Like, even though that's not fun, it's like some part of us wants to check the box. It feels more attractive. So my goal in telling you all of this is just awareness. If you're not pursuing something that you know will fulfill you on a spiritual and creative level, it's not because you're lazy or stupid or unmotivated. It's something that happens to everyone And yes, you absolutely have great reasons for wanting to do those things. But we just have to be aware of all the things we're fighting against. It's like this whole current that is like flowing in the opposite direction. And we have to proceed despite them. Like we have to squeeze that toothpaste tube of our actions. Like barely get ourselves to do just a little toward that thing and put it in the stupid calendar and block out the stupid time on the calendar and like set a dumb alarm and just make a tiny teaspoon of effort toward that thing despite that weird part of us that just wants to like forget or pretend to forget or just set it aside and be like yeah I don't know I mean who am I kidding like that's not true though That is just the muscle memory of sameness, and it's not necessarily aligned with the true you. The big you wants big things, which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. And before I go into the tools, first, a brief word from our sponsors. 
Alright, the first tool, big me versus little me. This is a journal exercise. And this is basically an inventory, but it's really about, I just want you to write a list of all the things that big you wants versus little you like, what are the things you really dream of? And I mean, just all the things really, it doesn't have to be just like things you want to that are projects or goals, like it could just be all the things all the experiences you want to have. And I will, I will say do not judge this list, just let it flow. I think we tend to edit ourselves or edit our dreams to make them smaller than they should be. Just cast the widest net possible. And if some things you're like half sure about, it's fine. Just write it, let it dump itself out. And know that like big you is the one who looks at the stars and the one who has grandiose ideas. Little you is the fear and the resistance to pain. It's also the, the instant gratification self, like the self who doesn't want to work hard and doesn't want to lose control of things and wants everything to be on their terms and is worried about having to work. I already said that. Part. Either way, you can write a big you list and then write a little you list just to know what that is. I'm guessing that your little me list will have things like safety, to be comfy, to not be stressed out, not to be vulnerable. It's good to be aware of those things, all of the conditions that you need for your own stability. But the big you list is, is true. It's very true of who you are. So just become aware. Let them all out. All right, next on my tools, tell someone you admire. I mean, just literally say the thing you are working on, the thing you want to do, the plan in an active way. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do blank. And it's really important to talk about it, to tell somebody else. Why? Because this is how you witness you being attached to this outcome. And it's not just something, some secret inside of you. It's like it becomes more concrete once it's externalized. Also, research shows that if you tell someone your goals, like someone that is important in your life or whose opinion you value, it increases success increases the chance of progress. It's just like throwing out tethers to the goal. It's like you're hammering in tent poles, it becomes more true. And when you make those intentions known, it's be you can become accountable. And and just don't even worry about yet, if you're going to solve for it, it's just like letting this thing be a real thing in your life, letting it actualize in some form. And know that we don't get into a flow state instantly, especially when something requires a lot of concentrated thought. It's not like, well, if I really wanted that thing, I would be able to just plug in and just lose myself. And it's like, no, not necessarily. It's not meant to be easy yet. It's not meant to be fun. A lot of it is just like actually solving through a little stack of paper at a time, just like 15 minutes of menial stuff a day. Next tool is called present day warrior. And I think of this as like a little paper doll. I don't know if you've ever played with a paper doll or seen a paper doll. I remember having a book of them when I was a kid. They're just like cutouts and of people and you fold clothes over them. Anyway, this is my visual for your warrior self because that self, it's just like they're, they're a moment in time in your life. 
and they will always remain frozen and limited in that time versus the many, many, many years of your future life self, which is, kind of, I would call that your timeless self. But like the present day worrier, the one that worries about this thing about you being wrong and this being, being less than and like how you're not good at blank and how you really want to be XYZ and like you're, you hate this thing about yourself. All of these like very fear-based superficial judgments around yourself. I can guarantee you that the things you worry about now about yourself that you think will define your happiness in the future they will mean nothing to you at an older age. So knowing that, what does that change? Like, What does that mean? Let's just spend some time on that. Let's create an ideal based on all of you, the years and years into the future self, like the most advanced you. What, will you, what do you know you will be proud of? Like what are the most universal kinds of accomplishments, the most value-based accomplishments that future you would be proud of? And just know that like all this other stuff, you will not give two shits in 10 years from now. You'll be like, I can't believe I fucking cared about that dumb thing. Talking to you, teenage Sarah. <laughs> all right, next tool is called the holy shit, I'm awesome moments. I think it's really important to savor and to embellish and to talk about and fully brag about and discuss ad nauseum and stretch the fuck out of the holy shit moments of your life. And I'm talking about like the moments where you get the job you always wanted or the moments you finish your first blank kind of project and the moments that you have your first paying client or I mean like when you get the dream job that you always wanted or you attain the goal you've been pursuing, it's like it's so easy for that just to be over because you're like, well, I, but now it's done. Like the, because the journey is quite literally the goal. Like that is the, the meat and potatoes of our entire lives. But don't let yourself skip over that moment. Really celebrate it and never cut the celebration short because those are like, huge they're monumental like celebrate them allow yourself forgive yourself in advance for just like living in that like it's a jacuzzi like welcome the family in there welcome the friends in there talk about all the things that were along the way don't take that away from yourself or cut it short just saying all right the next tool is a mantra you're not gonna find anything on that phone this is just for my friends out there who are kind of conditioned to check their phones all the time and go to the apps and check on like refresh the email or refresh the feed or whatever it is. We do that as filler. We're trained to do it. But why? There's nothing we need on there. There's no, no new info that we need. And knowing that this is just really keeping your focus stolen, what other openness and possible curiosity, novel thinking, something that's going to bring something new to your being? What else is in the room that you're in? Just notice that that conditioning. Just become aware of how often it's happening totally unconsciously. So I'm just challenging you to be clear and precise with your time and your attention. 
And the goal is just like not to be like, I'm not allowed to use my phone anymore. No, this is just about becoming free, calm, deliberate in how you move your body and use your energy as you move through this world. Because a lot of that time, it's like it's taking, it's, it's manifesting more distraction for us. It's fracturing focus. But it's also not giving us anything of value. And I think boredom itself is of great value. Just being able to let our brains wander. It's a process. It's a part of invention. It's a part of originality. We need it. We need it back. All right, next tool, bundle it. This is a term coined by researcher Kate Milkman, who uh, created this term temptation bundling. Uh, but it's basically like, it's kind of a no brainer, but you take a thing that you know you want to indulge in or that does naturally have curiosity built into it or engagement built into it and you bundle it with the thing that you know you genuinely want to do because you know oftentimes we want a thing that our habits do not and in order to to make that thing attractive to us we have to force ourselves to to associate that thing with something we actually want So like the really layman version of this is like, anytime you eat chocolate, (laughs) you're going to do it while you're working on your passion project. Um, But you know, other things too, it's like, people often pair the book they really want to read with the exercise they don't really want to do. Either way, just grouping whatever this goal is with something that you know, is something you look forward to in a, on a reward system level, that will make it a lot easier to initially build that habit. Um, and I think, regardless, just put it on your calendar, give yourselves the accountability, make it that make this thing an official assignment. The next tool, taking millinutrients. So thinking of this, these big goals, whatever they are, as kind of the nourishing nutrients versus the other types of activities, which I would say are just like filling kind of carbs, but they're not nourishing. So start small, just start tiny, like literally doing three minutes of action on a goal that you are somewhat avoiding is is going to make you sooner get hooked by it. Also how we become more mentally identified with it. Like we start to feel like, oh, this is a true part of me. Even though you spend three minutes in a day toward that thing, if you do that every single day, it starts to speak back to you. That project starts to give you feedback about itself and you start to shape it more and it becomes more real. I will also say that when I block out like let's say an hour on my calendar for whatever activity it is, let's say I spend 20 minutes of that hour, I still find that that progress hooks me on a deeper level. So it starts to build itself like a snowball. It's still my thing. It's still my project, my baby. It's still a part of me that is true. The three minutes counts. The next tool is called showmanship. Never underestimate the value of showmanship because this is a gesture of love and thought and accounting for the user experience. And I thought of this because I know this is like a tool that's kind of like getting ahead of this whole process. But I wanted to throw it in here because I've always had an aversion 
to putting on a show or acting as a facade of any kind. I have personally have baggage in this area. So I've always felt it is kind of off-putting or equivalent to manipulation, but I've come around on that and now I feel it is not. But I had to see that in a different context. I was listening to Trent Reznor being interviewed on um, Rick Rubin's podcast, which is an incredible interview if you're at all interested in musicians being interviewed. Anyway, I will say showmanship in many ways is an appreciation and respect for the audience. It's a genuine expression of love and it's also in itself a packaging for the audience that allows them to hear you it's like oh I see what you're selling I see what you are trying to give to me I see you're trying to relate to me on on my language level I will engage with you back it's like oh you are safe you are safe to engage with Um, so that's just something to think about as you evolve whatever creative project you happen to be birthing at this time in your life. (laughs) Um, okay, cool. Next tool is called cornerstone grounding practice. I want you to think of things that you reflect on fondly in your life. And those things don't have to be a passion, but those things can be things that connect you to that, which is deeper than your computer. Uh, for example, potting a plant and filling the base of that plant with stones, uh, watering a plant, growing a succulent garden. I used to love to plant seeds. I also used to like to make these little Fimo clay creatures and paint them and then put them in the planters. I've also drawn horse people since I was in kindergarten. All of that is to say, these are things, these are practices that kind of connect me to, uh, a deeper part of myself, a deeper, more holistic, original self. So what is something that is grounding for you? What is something that connects you to your creative tent poles as an individual? Like making a list of tiny joys. These are like mini therapy sessions for ourselves, for our creative selves. Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way, one of her quotes is, you're either losing your mind or gaining your soul. When we just jump into our lives and some part of ourselves is like taking the wheel over of our practical selves, take note. Like those moves don't come out of nowhere. There's some like curiosity, some energy, some creative impulse that is sneaking out. And I mean, things like you might find yourself like, I really want a yellow beret. (laughs) Like for no reason, you'd be like, why the why did I buy a yellow beret? I think that's because some part of your creative self is like trying to squeeze out and say like, I have something to say. And just notice it. Notice those little impulses that come from a non sequitur kind of place. I recall reading uh, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Sorry if that's super depressing, but I just one element that really stood out to me of that book is that when everything is stripped away from humans, we are still at our origin, curious, extremely curious. Like that is besides being, uh, you know, air breathing, we are curious. (laughs) Like we, when we are, um, just reduced to the the most primal version of ourselves, it's always there. It is your nature. So if something arises and you suddenly 
commit yourself to some new thing out of nowhere, like, yeah, I signed up for an improv class. And you think like, why did I do that? What have I done? It's probably coming from somewhere deep within you on like a primal level. It arrived for a reason. If something is attractive to you, if something is piquing your curiosity, it has like tension, energetic tension around it, like it's hot to the touch. That's some, it's coming from somewhere true in you. And then my last tool, which is not really a tool, it's just a suggestion, read fiction. I know, what kind of tool is that? I had to put it in here because I have noticed, I read that a long time ago, that people who read fiction are much more empathetic. And I was like, huh, makes sense because you're kind of reading about human experiences that are different than yours. However, I will also say, when you read fiction, you change how you understand the world. It, it in, increases your awareness of yourself. It's similar to travel. And I would rec- highly recommend reading good fiction. I'm not talking about like, you know, rom-com <laughs> kinds of airport fiction books. I just mean on like a soul slash perspective life level. When you read a great work of fiction, it will change your insights about your own work and also puts you in a different scale for your awareness of your own power. Like you're like, oh yeah, I can do 10 times more than what I am doing. I have it so easy. I realize now like I I can overcome 100 times more than I've already overcome. It just, it's like, it reminds you of that. It's like talking to someone that's much older than yourself. It's very grounding. So I just want to put in a plug for reading fiction. I, I think it's great to read self-help books and research books, but if I used to do that, I used to only read those kinds of books, but it, it reduces in many ways your, your intelligence, your emotional intelligence, because it's only serving one small fraction of your awareness. So I'm going to put a link to the book I'm reading right now, a fiction book. It's very violent. I think it's an incredible book in case anyone's shopping for a good book. That is, those are my tools. Before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Lisa, thank you so much for your donation, and JC, a new sponsor on Patreon, thank you so very much, and Ula, oh my god, thank you so, so much for your donation, incredible gift from you, really appreciate it. Anyone out there who has the means, donations really help out the show. And if you don't have the means, I completely get it. If you could leave a review on iTunes or send this to a friend, it could help. I appreciate that as well. In closing, never underestimate the power of the sun and water and physical exhaustion and no electronics. Just that is like it can bring you back into a a full sense of aliveness like laughing joyfully. So make sure you are getting those days in once in a while, at least once a week, those days that are just full of sun, exhaustion, and if it pleases you, water. I will say those are vital to our well-being and they remind us just how to balance our focus and also regenerate our energy. A lot of the time we just have to take control and time away from the virtual and the screens and we have to feel fully possessed by the temperature of our environment be animals on a warm planet so this is just a reminder to get back into full consciousness 
And don't let your brain get taken from you without your noticing, like come back into reality. And of course, curate that sense of vastness, that limitless light and power that has no end. It's within us. We just have to remember it and rebuild that fire when it goes dim. So I send you my love and don't forget to smile. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.